Amen. Get your Bible. Turn to the book of Jonah. While you're turning there, I want to remind you about the next 32. That wasn't the offering appeal today, but two weeks from today, we'll be taking that special offering uh, for Reach the Next Phase, which we're calling the Reach the Next 32 is $32,000 that we are bringing in between now and when school starts back up in order to uh, get our children's facilities ready for the back-to-school season. Uh, a lot of new children are headed this way. A lot of families are headed this way. We don't even know them yet. They haven't been here yet, but they're coming. And they are visiting the website. They're checking us out before they even get on the campus. They're looking us over. They're going to show up here in a couple of weeks, and they're going to be excited about finding themselves a new church home. And we're believing that the ones that God is sending to our church that's specifically supposed to be here uh, are going to find us, and we're going to be ready for them. One of the ways we're going to do that is by uh, some things that we're going to do to, to upgrade those facilities. Uh, not that paint, paint is not going to uh, cause children to get to heaven. Uh, painting and, and, uh, and remodeling is not going to cause kids to get to heaven. But I'll tell you one thing. Uh, you're, as a parent, you're more apt to put your kids in a room that look like somebody cared you're going to be more apt to take them there. You're going to be more apt to leave them there if you know that somebody gave enough concern and care about them to see to it that they had quality facilities. And we do have good facilities right now. Don't get me wrong. But uh, what we're wanting to do is we need to do some signage in there. Uh, we need to upgrade that sa- the children's sanctuary. We just need to do some things to make that much more user-friendly. And so the next $32,000 that comes in for REACH will be designated for that project. And again, two weeks from today, we will be taking that offering and we'll show the video again next week. We'll be hitting you with social media. We'll remind you about that. And the reason why we're doing that is so that you can be laying something back, you know, so it doesn't catch you by by surprise or catch you off guard. But we want everybody to be able to participate in that special offering on July the 17th. So we'll talk about that more in the, as we go through these next couple of weeks. I want you to get your Bibles. I said, turn to Jonah chapter 1. We're starting a series today, and the series is entitled Jonah. It's a four-part series, unless the Lord decides to change that. At this point, it looks like a four-part series. And this first week is entitled A Most Expensive Trip. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. You know, it's trip taking time again. Uh... We're going on vacations. We, we've got a lot of camps that are going on right now, a lot of missions trips, all kinds of other trips. You look around the room and you can see that, that uh, a whole lot of us are taking advantage of the summertime. And, and we don't begrudge anybody for that. We all love vacation. And I like to take them myself, don't you? And so, uh, but, there's, but, but there's a lot of people that are gone right now. And when we, we take these trips, we want them to be fun. We want them to be safe. We want them to be blessed. We've been looking forward to these trips. We've been, we've been planning these trips. Some of you guys are those, those real high type Ds. If you know you're going to go on vacation in July, back in January, you already have it completely scheduled minute by minute. You're the guy I don't want to go on vacation with. Somebody say amen. I want to go on vacation where you get up that day and you say, I got up when I wanted to and I'm going to go where I decide. But some people, man, they, they get excited and they're gonna, they got to schedule every second of this minute. We're going to do this. This next minute, we're going to do this. That's the part of the excitement. We want, it to be, well, we want it to be safe. We want it to be fun. We've been looking forward. We've been planning. We've been saving up money for these special trips. In the Bible, there's a fellow named Jonah. He took a trip, but it was not like the one 
that you and I are excited about going on. His was a very expensive trip. I'm reading from God's word translation, Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The Lord spoke his word to Jonah. And he said, leave at once for the important city, Nineveh, and announce to the people that I can no longer overlook the wicked things they've done. And Jonah immediately tried to run away from the Lord by going to Tarshish. He went to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid for the trip, went on board. He wanted to go to Tarshish to get away from the Lord. Have you ever wanted to go somewhere to get away from the Lord? Oh, let's be honest. We might as well, hadn't we? I mean, when we're sick and when we're in need, we want him real close. But when he wants us to do something, sometimes we try to get away from him. I want you to note three very important pieces of information. This is what we're going to talk about in the next few minutes. Number one, these are all cult, these are all the, the transcultural truths from these verses I've given you. This, you could break these verses down, and it could read this way. Number one, the Lord spoke his word to Jonah. Number two, Jonah immediately tried to run. And number three, he paid for the trip. That's what those verses say. I'm going to talk for a few minutes today about how to avoid paying for the most costly of all trips. I want you to keep something in mind. When you travel with the Lord, you're going to have a better time and the bills are paid. When you travel from the Lord, you're not going to have near as good of a time and you're going to pay all the bills. And Jonah paid for his trip. And the first first way he paid for it was financially. But then in every other way that's imaginable, he paid for that trip. He paid for that trip physically. He paid for it spiritually. He paid for it mentally. He paid for it uh, emotionally. Some theologians even think that he paid for that trip with his actual life. Because they, they, they will attempt to prove that he actually died when he was on board the Big Fish Express. That at that time, he was actually gone. So I don't know whether he lived or died through that situation. I'll tell you, if he lived through it for three days in the belly of a great fish, he wished he was dead. It was not like, the whale inn was not like that motel room at that all-inclusive resort where you went on your last vacation. I'll promise you that right now. In that big fish's gut with seaweed wrapped around your head and the carcasses of everything else that fish has been eaten that has not yet been digested. Making your bed there in the tight, dark confines at the bottom of the ocean for three days and three nights? How did he even know? How do you keep track of the time? So there's... Certain things I want to look at today because I don't want us to make the same mistakes that he made. So we don't ever want to use his travel agency, folks. We, we don't want to choose his mode of transportation. So let's go back to the start. Let's look at these three sentences. The, the first thing that happened, the most important portion of the whole chapter. There's four chapters in this book. But I think that the very most important thing of all four of those is summed up in this first point. Number one, the Lord spoke. I think that's probably more important than anything else that is said in that entire four-chapter book. That's all that would have needed to be said. We can glean from that everything that we need to glean if we have wisdom. The Lord spoke. Hmm. 
When I read that, I thought to myself, when he speaks, we better be listening and we better be paying attention to what he's saying. He spoke to Jonah and perhaps God is presently speaking to you about something. I have a feeling that several of you in this room that is currently happening because I can't remember any time in the last 23 years that the Lord gave me a word that it wasn't for somebody. Amen. So I know that there are people in this room who God is currently speaking to. What's he saying to you? And you say, well, pastor, how do you know if God is speaking to you? It's a good question. God speaks to us in several ways. Let's very quickly, let me, let me break those through for you, break those down for you. First of all, God speaks, and this is the primary word God, primary way that God speaks. He speaks through his word. The Bible. That's the reason why that pastors are always telling you that you need to read that word every single day because we know that that is the primary way that God speaks to people. I don't get too excited about these super spiritual folks that are always hearing a word from God if it didn't come from the word. God speaks to me other ways at certain times, but I have found that by and large, the way he speaks to me most of the time is through his word. It makes sense Otherwise, he wouldn't have spent all that time and energy on the people that he spent to get them to write it. Have you ever taken the time to put something down like in the form of instructions for someone? You write it out. And the reason you do that is so that someone later down the road will have that. And another reason why you do it is so they won't ask you every time. How do you work the can opener? So you write the instructions. Excuse me. We may have more of that as we go. That's why the water's here. Allergy season. It's rough too, isn't it? I may have to stand up here and just try to read like Jonathan Edwards. Very... Somberly, very quietly, so my voice will act right. <coughs> Either that or I'll get one of these young folks to come up here and read the notes and I'll just stand next to them. <coughs> and I'll go. So why would God not want you to take the time to read what he's taking the time to write? It's thick too. There's a lot of stuff in that Bible. The reason why he took the time to have it written down. So you have it every time at your disposal. You can open it up and read it right there. So that you don't have to go to him and ask him every single time what you should do. People are lazy. We want to just go to him every time and say, what do you think about this? And God says, I've already told you what I thought about it. It's written right there. So he speaks through his word. Secondly, he speaks through prayer. But you have to be doing as much listening as you are talking. In fact, you probably need to do more listening than talking. But God will speak to you through prayer. Thirdly, he speaks through confirmation. This is something that people, we really need to spend more time on this. I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but we need to. Confirmation is not 
somebody coming to you and telling you something, you're going, oh, wow, that's from God. Confirmation is God tells you something, and then someone comes and says it again. So I see that a lot with people that are searching for calling. They're searching for what they're supposed to be doing, and they hear a preacher, or they hear somebody say something, and they're like, that's it. Well, now, if God hasn't told you that first and then confirmed it by that, I wouldn't get too excited just yet. Confirmation for me has always been something the Lord been laying on my heart for a long time. I've been praying about it. I've been studying about it. I've been thinking about it, maybe even trying to get away from it. huh? And yet God will bring other people along to say, hey, the Lord told me to tell you. Because when people come to me and they say the Lord told me to tell you something and he hadn't told me first, I'm always very shy from that. I always back away from that. I'm like, if God was going to tell me something, I think if he was going to tell you something to tell me, I think he probably would have prepared me to receive that. Does that make sense? So be careful about that. Not that it doesn't happen, but be careful about that. But primarily, if you'll stay in the word and if you'll stay in prayer, then the Lord will speak to you, and then when he wants to talk to you about that more, he will send somebody to confirm what you've already been thinking or praying. The next one, the fourth one is the still small voice. I love it when he speaks this way to me. He does, he does this a lot of times. He does this at times when you need prayer maybe. That's a that's a uh, a neat place to operate in to be a vessel that you weren't looking to say anything, but all of a sudden the Lord said, "Go tell so and so this." You're like, "Oh, okay," because He will use you. He will speak to you in a still small more still small voice to be a confirmation to someone else. Here's how you know: you wrestle with that a little while, but then when you're obedient to it and you say whatever it was to them. And that person just breaks and they're like, that's exactly what I was talking to the Lord about this week. There's no way you could have known that. Has that ever happened to you? You ever been used that way? It's a neat thing. A still small voice. And the last one is an audible voice. There's not a lot of people that have heard this one. And most of the ones that did, didn't enjoy it. It's not a preferable way to hear from God. Usually when he speaks in an audible voice, it's not always a fun thing. Unless you happen to be at the baptism of Jesus. That would have been neat to hear, this is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Now that would have been cool. But if you're the children of Israel, the backside of the wilderness, and God starts speaking to you from a mountain that's on fire and about to blow up, that's probably not the way you want to remember the voice of God. So I've, ne- I've never heard the audible voice of God. But I will tell you this. I've heard the still small voice really, really loud. Some of you relate. Whatever voice you hear, it will always line up with the word and the will and the way of God. Or it's not God speaking. Don't listen to all the words that are out there. If they don't line up with the word of God, then they're not him speaking. They're just some person trying to gain some type of control to manipulate people. 
But God can use any or all of these methods to speak to you, and it's your responsibility to hear him. So here's what we've got in the story. We've got Jonah, and he's heard God's voice. And you've got to give Jonah credit because he does recognize that he knows it's God's voice. He's ahead of some folks already. The problem here isn't that he didn't hear or didn't know. The problem is that he did hear and he did know. And in spite of that, he still willingly, consciously chose to go against that voice. Don't get on him for not having been able to hear or recognize. He did hear and recognize and ran in spite of. Now, that's scary because you think to yourself, Jonah, where are you going to go? I mean, every place imaginable on the earth and off of the earth has been created by God. He knows every place. Where are you going to go? God's got a, 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 a funny sense of humor here for him, not for Jonah. But God's about to prove that to him by saying, I know every place on the earth and in the sea, and I'm going to show you that I know even the belly of a fish. You can't even hide from me there at the bottom of the ocean. Where are you going? God knows where we are at all times, so if he's speaking to you, are you hearing? Are you listening? Or are you trying to Run away from that voice. So the, the Bible says that the Lord spoke his word to Jonah. We're establishing that. Jonah knows it's God's voice. And number two, Jonah's response to that is he immediately tries to run. Now, I understand that even though it may be a very, very stupid thing to do. I do understand trying to run from the voice of God. Because when God called me to preach, I tried to run as hard as I could go. My reasons for not wanting to do this were not that I didn't love the Lord or that I didn't think it was a worthy and noble cause. But my reasons were that I was afraid. And it was a lack of confidence. And because of past sins, I felt like I was unworthy and unable. And I still had the desire to do my own thing. So my, my reasons were selfish. But you look at Jonah's and you, you study in the story and you think to yourself, well, at least Jonah's reasons are somewhat understandable, maybe, to some respectable, but at least understandable. And you say, okay, let's talk about that for a second. Well, let's, let's break that down. God comes to Jonah and he says, I want you to go cry against that great city Nineveh. Tell them that if they don't repent... I'm going to destroy them. This is the best news Jonah's ever heard. God, let me get this straight. You're saying that if I don't go tell them that you'll kill them? Yes. Okay, then. Definitely not going to go tell them. You're like, why would he do that? You need to understand something about Assyria and the capital city of Nineveh was a major city. One of the biggest cities of its day, anywhere in the world. And the people were evil and they were cruel. And they had been vicious to the Jewish people. They had been merciless. Jonah had witnessed the aftermath 
of what these people had done to his people. I want, I'm not trying to stir anything up, but I just want to paint a picture for you. I want you to understand something. When God asked Jonah to go try to save Nineveh, that would have been equivalent to God asking a Jew to go preach to Hitler in World War II. After they had discovered Auschwitz and the death camps. Had someone gone to a Jewish individual and said, during World War II, if you don't go preach to Berlin, I'm going to destroy all those people. And that Jewish person would have said, bring on the hail, fire, and the sulfur. Everything you got, God, rain it down on those folks. They got it coming. And we know there were good people there, that it wasn't their fault. They weren't a part of that. But I'm talking about that whole Nazi movement. That SS reign of terror. Had God said, if you don't go speak to them, I'm going to kill them all. Who of us would have gone, had we lived in that generation, known the atrocities of what were taking place? What's it like today? What if God said to you tonight, I want you to start praying for those folks that are a part of ISIS. I want to save them. I'm, and you say, but God, they're stringing up Christians. They're, they're murdering babies. Just every time we see it in the news, we see where another drone strike has taken out 50 or 60 of them at a time. What do we do? Yes. Get some more of them. Are we going to be real? Smoke some more of them. Kill them all. They're vicious. They need to die. Kill them all. God says to Jonah, if you don't go cry, if you don't get a burden and start crying and praying for those folks, I'm going to kill all of them. Jonah says, then kill them. And so here's how it worked. God spoke his word and Jonah tried to run. Now you understand why. When I said it's understandable and to some respectable. That this is a natural thing he would do. I'll go to Tarshish and wait this out. I'll, I'll go to Tarshish and watch the news. I'll watch CNN and I'll get to see it. Jonah, for Jonah, death to himself was preferable than life for the Ninevites. That's how he felt about it. He's a patriot. For feeling this way. Can you imagine what the people of his country will do. If the word gets out that he's the culprit that went and preached. And he's the reason they all got saved and God didn't kill them. It's a, he's in a lose-lose situation. You'd be like, ah, oh, you read the back of the book. You're like, 120,000 people saved. I want to be that evangelist. No, you don't. Because as soon as you get back home, they're not doing ticker tape parades for you. They got money on your head. There's bounties out for you back home. You mean we were that close to God killing all them and you went down there and preached and you're the one turning? 
Something to think about, huh? You ever thought about the book of Jonah that way? So even though his actions and his feelings were patriotic in nature, his reason for running was still selfish. And I want you to think about that for a minute because every time we run from God, when we boil it down, it always turns out the same way. We're running no matter what we say because we are selfish. Something about it, when it's boiled down, says we were selfish, so we did not want to do what God was saying. They're always selfish in nature. Maybe you feel like that you're running, but you're running for a good reason. See, I, I can see that that, that, that would be the, 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 the voice coming back to me, me, me laying all this out, and I'm saying, you don't need to run from God, and you're saying, I may be running from God, but the reason I'm running from God is for a good reason. I'm going to tell you right now, you don't have near as good a reason as what Jonah thought he had, and it wasn't good enough. So that brings me to the last statement. He paid for the trip. Number three, he just wanted to get away. He was trying to get away from God. He's trying to get away from the situation. He's trying to get away from the pressure of everything. Can any of you relate? So God speaks to you, right? You still with me? We're just thinking now. We're just talking. We're not doing a lot of preaching today. We're just kind of talking. God speaks to you. He gives you some undesirable task. Lays it on your heart. You don't want this. So he puts this undesirable task on your heart. And all you can think about is just getting away. The thing that you need to remember and keep in mind as you run is that this running is going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you in every way that we talked about a minute ago. Emotionally, mentally, financially, physically, spiritually. Every way you can, every way you can imagine this running is going to cost you. It's not going to cost God. It's not even going to cost Nineveh. Because eventually you're going to go to Nineveh. You're going to get miserable enough that you're going to have to go. And God's going to save Nineveh if he decides to save Nineveh with or without you. But but at some point, however long you decide to run, you're going to pay. Remember what I said a few minutes ago. When you travel for God, it's all expenses paid. When you travel from God, you pay all the expenses. There was a little boy. He's watching TV upstairs in his room. And his dad calls him and he says, come downstairs, it's time for dinner. The little boy just ignored him. So the second time the dad yelled again, get out here, it's time to eat. The little boy ignored him the second time. Third time the dad screams, get down here and I mean now, you're about to get a whipping. The little boy comes running downstairs, sits at the table and he says, but dad, I didn't hear you call the first two times. How many times does God hear that from us? I didn't hear you because I didn't want to. I didn't hear you because I wasn't trying to. I didn't hear you because I was trying to ignore you. I didn't hear you because I didn't want to do what I knew you were going to ask. So I didn't hear you the first two times. And God is saying, that's okay. I'm not going to spank you like your earthly daddy. I'm just going to let you spend a little time in the Big Fish Motel. I've been there. 
Anybody else ever been to the big fish for a couple of days? You stay there a couple of days, you're like, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. Just, and you're saying it, just puke me out of here. As nasty as that sounds, when you're there, puking is the best thing can happen. He was swallowed, wallowed, and vomited. Preach that. Jonah, what'd you do the last three days? I was swallowed, wallowed, and vomited. And I am so glad to be vomited today. See, when you run from God, and you're the source of a puking, I know that's nasty. You never heard it put that way. You might as well, you know, if you won't hear it anywhere, it's going to be here. You're the source of a puking and you're so excited that you've been puked. You thank God that you've finally been puked. Where I am on this bank may not be where I'm going, but it's a whole lot better than where I spent the last three days. When I was trying to run things. See, when you try to run things, you don't end up at that all-inclusive. You end up at the bottom, in the fish's belly. There's no good excuses. There's no legitimate reason. God is not interested in anything less than your total unconditional obedience and surrender. He won't accept anything else. He doesn't want to hear your excuses. So I'm going to finish this by asking you this question. Is God speaking to you? You know if he is. Is God speaking to you? Well, pastor, are you talking about one of those deals, you know, where, where somebody's called a ministry and, and they've been trying to run from the call? I don't know. That might be part of it. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm looking at Jonah's story and I'm looking at a couple things. He wasn't just, he was running from a calling, but not just a calling. He was running from a calling. He was also running in disobedience. Rebellion. So I'm not saying to you that it's just about a calling. It might be a calling, but it might not just be. It might be to you, sir or ma'am. God's been saying to you for the last couple of weeks, I want you to go say something to somebody and you haven't done it. And you're just miserable. Or God's saying to you, I want you to go over to such a... For somebody, he may be saying, I want you to change jobs. You're like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I like this place. I'm safe right here. But the Lord's been saying, I'm, I'm about to move you. And you're like, no, no. No, you're not. You're not about to move me. <clears throat> Has God been speaking to you? I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I just want you to get it in your spirit. How does he speak? We talked about all the way he speaks. Has God been speaking to you through his word, through prayer, through confirmation, through other? Has God been speaking to you? Secondly, have you been running? You've been trying to run? Yes, but I had good reasons. <clears throat> no, you don't. No reason's good. No reason works. No excuse is legit. Thirdly, my last question, are you about to incur some very costly expenses? 
No, pastor, God is going to, he'll never punish, I mean, he's not going to punish me. He'll let me do whatever I want to do. God may allow you to do whatever you want to do, but it won't, it won't be no vacation. Until you do what he's telling you to do, you're going to be miserable and you're going to keep paying for it. You're going to keep paying for it without, because you don't sleep at night. Hmm? You're not going to start sleeping well again until you start listening and obeying the voice of God. Your health is not going to be right. Your, your, your mental welfare, emotionally, your relationships aren't going to be right. You're going to pay for this in every way because... The trip you're on is your trip, and you're the one that pays the bills. You get on his trip, he'll start paying the bills. Money start turning back around. Health start turning back around. Marriage start turning back around. Jobs start turning back around, huh? Things start going like they're supposed to go when you start walking in obedience. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How many of you would say, I'm not, I'm not going to uh, embarrass you or anything. I just want you to acknowledge for yourself and the Lord the word today. How many of you would say, God's been speaking to me. Raise your hand. God's been speaking to me. Amen. Put your hand back down. How many of you would say, and I've been trying to run. <laughs> Anybody been trying to run? Raise your hand if you've been trying to run. And put them back down. How many of you have been paying for that yourself? You'd be like, man, this is costly. This is expensive. Man, I wish this would work out. You could put them back down. We do the same thing here every Sunday morning. When things are what I would call normal, we finish the service in prayer. If you were here last Sunday in the first service or the second one, there wasn't nothing normal about either one of those. I mean, it was on here last week. Wow. This morning is a little bit more somber, a little bit more quiet. It's a reflective day. It's a day of thought, a day of prayer. And so, while these ladies lead us in this last song, I want to turn this into a house of prayer. You can come down and kneel. You can stay at your seat. You can sit. You can stand. You can walk. You can go to the corners. Go wherever you want to go. I'm not going to ask for the prayer team today for this reason. I, th- I always do, and I, and I love that. But for some reason, I feel today like that you're just supposed to be on your own. You, I, I think that some of you today would like to have a prayer team member so you could just go talk. But I don't want to do that to the prayer team members today. I think you need to just talk straight to the Lord. And you need to listen while he talks back. Join me in prayer. These altars are open. Let's let's finish our time together this way.
I've been hearing his voice. I've been trying to run. I've been paying the price. It's a most costly trip. It's a most expensive trip. And I want this trip to come to an end. I'm ready to surrender to the voice of God. I'm ready to surrender to the call. I'm ready to surrender to the action. I'm ready to surrender to whatever it is today so that he'll start paying the cost instead of me. That's you. During the song, stand your feet, come find yourself a place to pray. God bless you. I love you.